really at the end of the day, they care about the user more than they care about the advertiser. We have to remember that because like everybody assumes that because we're the ones paying them that they care about us. They do not. They, they care about the end user at the end of the day. Hello and welcome to episode 124 of the Smart Agents Podcast. My name is Michael Walter and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we are joined by Amit Cabra, founder of Hopskip Media. With an expertise in digital marketing and specifically pay-per-click advertising, Amit has helped clients achieve as high as a 500% increased ROI on their digital advertising campaigns. Throughout our conversation, Amit shares her tips for how real estate agents can find the proper keywords to build their campaigns around, tips for optimizing a campaign's quality score, and what metrics to focus on in order to determine if the campaign is successful. In addition to these tips, Amit shares some of her top things to avoid in order to launch a successful pay-per-click ad campaign. Now, before we get on to the day's featured interview, make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and now Amazon Music. Also, if you or someone else on your team has an awesome story or tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. All right, let's get on to the day's featured interview with Amit. While we cover a lot through our conversation, we just scratched the surface of pay-per-click advertising. To learn more, I've included links to Amit's social media channels as well as Hopskip Media. If you could, just uh, getting started out, introduce yourself to us a little bit and where you're at. Uh, yeah, so my name is Amit. I am the owner and founder of Hopskip Media. So we're an online marketing agency specializing in pay-per-click advertising. Uh, my core competency is in Google Ads, and then I also have a team who handles uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, yeah, I've been in the industry. I think, did I say I've been in the industry for 13 years? I always forget. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, your face is telling <laughs> me that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been 13 years now. I've been running the agency for about five years. Awesome. What was it that you know made you want to get into the online marketing world and specifically uh, learning about the, the pay-per-click you know, advertising. Uh, dumb luck, honestly. Uh, I was 19 when I started my first business. Somebody told me that they thought that I couldn't do it and I naturally had to prove them wrong. Uh, and I was also in university for like, at that time, it would have been uh, a bachelor's degree in business administration with a minor in entrepreneurial leadership. Uh, and I went into macro microeconomics, realized I hated it, uh, did not understand it, could not figure it out. Uh, so then I quickly looked at where the most credits would transfer over to and like to the next program and marketing was it. Uh, so I went, okay, I'm going to go do the marketing <laughs> program. <laughs> uh, and then we had this one three-hour class on online marketing. So email, content, um, social, Google Analytics, Google Ads, like all of it in three hours. Uh, and for some reason, Google Ads stood out to me in analytics. Uh, so then when I went to start my event planning company, I decided to use Google ads for um, just to sell tickets and see how that would go. And uh, it turned out that I was pretty good at it. And then eventually three, three years later, when I was like, I hate event planning, uh, I was like, okay, let's pack up all my stuff, go from British Columbia, move to Alberta and start a career in, in pay-per-click. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history, I guess. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So our core audience is real estate agents and brokers, really in the real estate space. And uh, that is one of those 
professions and industries, just like a lot of other small entrepreneurs that, you know, pay-per-click ads is something that is definitely in their wheelhouse and something that they should be doing to be searched online. Um, so tell yeah. me a little bit about, you know, just uh, getting started. If somebody doesn't have, you know, a whole lot of experience, how do you even really get started in it? Uh, I think just searching in Google is a really great way just to see if your competitors are doing it because that's usually a good sign that it's probably profitable at this point. Um, so sometimes what I'll do is I'll use like a VPN or like incognito mode uh, and I'll go through and start searching random things. Um, and that's a really great way of figuring out what your, I call it a seed list. I don't know what anybody else would call it, but I call it a seed list, uh, essentially the keywords that I would want to bid for eventually. So I have like a list of like, sometimes it's as low as five, sometimes it's as high as a couple hundred because I can't stop thinking of ideas. Uh, and then I'll take that and actually import it into Google Ads. So I always say whenever somebody's like, I want to figure out if this is for me, I say, look and see if your competitors are doing it. One, it could be a great sign that it is profitable, but it also could be a sign that it might not be. Um, but then there's the third where it could be your competitors simply don't know. And this could be a really great opportunity for you to jump on it. Um, so there's a couple things that play at all times, but I think doing that search is a really great way of figuring out whether or not you want to actually be in that space or not. Right. When you are doing that search, what are some of the, um, you know, kind of key metrics that you're looking for to see if it is going to be profitable for you? And if maybe if there are people already in your area doing it, if they already have like a real kind of stronghold on it? Uh, so unfortunately, there's no real way of figuring it out where with Facebook ads, it's a little bit easier because they have an ads library. So you can simply go put in my competitor and then you can actually look at what they've been running for years. So if they're running the same ad for, for literally years, you know that it's a good ad. It's done really, really well for them. So that's why they're not going to bother changing it. Um, unfortunately, Google does not have that same capability. I really wish they did because that would be great. Uh, I would kill, we would kill competitors. <laughs> um, but so for me, I take a look at what, um, I'll take the seed list that I have and I'll put it into something called Google's Keyword Planner. And then I'll go through that and take a look. They'll usually tell us what the competition is, if it's high, medium, or low. Uh, they'll tell us what the monthly searches look like. So is it less than 10, more than 100, less than 1,000, whatever else. Uh, and then it'll also tell us what the uh, range for cost per click looks like as well. Uh, so then from there, I kind of take a look and try to figure out moving backwards uh, whether it would be profitable. So this is a really great way uh, or not. This is a really great moment for you to really know your numbers. So oftentimes, mm -hmm. um, especially service-based businesses, they don't really do this a lot. And I'm notorious for it too, where uh, they don't track how many people they need to contact before they get that one phone call and before right. how many phone calls they need before they actually get that listing and how many listings they need before like one will actually close because there's i mean listings is a little it depends on the market obviously but like there's right. uh, you can kind of take a look at it and then figure out how much money that actually costs you but how much money that would make you so then you can kind of figure out a break-even point because i think a lot of people get wrapped up in the sense that um they believe that ads are so expensive that they want everything so inexpensive. Um, and that's not necessarily it. Like, I don't believe that that should be the case. So if you're coming in and saying, Hey, I want my cost per acquisition or my cost per lead to be a hundred dollars. That's great. You know, that number, but if you're selling something for six, $700,000, uh, those numbers don't li line up, right? Um, you can't pay a hundred dollars and then somehow make 
more than a half a million bucks. Um, so you have to really look at that in terms of like real estate, it's a little bit different, but I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture in that sense. Um, so really yeah. having that number down and then that way you can really go back and be like, this is what my budget can be. This is where my break even point is. Uh, and this is where we need to stay below when we're looking at a cost per lead. And it's just a lot of math, but something that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, uh, over the time that you've been doing this, do you have uh, kind of a formula? And obviously it's going to be different for you know every industry and, and things like that, but almost like a a percentage of somebody's, you know, like marketing dollars or even annual income that they should be putting towards this type of advertising? I like to say to keep the spend around five to 15% of what you're doing annually. Um, sometimes that, you know, the 15% can be quite a bit. So that's why I like having that range in there because then at the very least you can start small and grow into something bigger. Um, and I think that's another misconception that a lot of people have that they believe that they be spending $10,000 a month. And although those clients are fantastic and we love it, um, it's, it's not affordable for small business owners, uh, and especially if you're a sole prop in that sense. So uh, going 5 to 15% is usually a good range to stay between. Right. When somebody is um, starting out and you've talked about like kind of building your your keyword, you know, like that seed list, what are some of those, um, I guess... Uh, how do you determine what are going to be those keywords to bid on that are going to, you know, kind of be in that in that sweet spot range? They're going to be, you know, it, it's not going to be um, so competitive that the the cost per click is going to be really high, and you know the competition is going to be high. But then it's also not going to be so cheap. But nobody else, nobody ever searches that term. Yeah, so that's where we take a look at that keyword planner and actually really go through it all. Um, so for me, I literally go through it line by line. And sometimes even the ones that don't get a lot of search volume, I'll still add them in because you never really know, right? We only need one person to search and actually come in and convert at the end of the day. Um, and if that means that there's 10 people with a very highly targeted search term, I kind of want to be in front of those 10 people. Uh, so we kind of look at it from that standpoint, whether what the search volume looks like, um, and then Google will... Depends on the keywords, but they'll tell us what the competition looks like. Uh, and then we'll take a look at what the that cost per click uh, is projected to be. And then from there, it's kind of one of those moments you can... I think some people have turned it into a bit of a math for themselves. I take a look at it and try to ask myself if it's, if it's logical. Does this make sense? And usually, thankfully, my gut is usually pretty right. So um, unfortunately, that's not something I can teach. But I think just looking at it and be like, okay, if the competition is medium and you're comfortable with the cost per click, um, I would look at the search volume last. I would take a look maybe at competition first, what the cost per click looks like, and then um, how much is actually, how much traffic would come in. Um, and if you go, yeah, I'm okay. Yes, I'm okay. Yes, I'm okay with it. the third piece, then I, bringing that into your account makes sense. But if there's any hesitation in between any of it, especially with the cost per click, then maybe I would hold off and see how the account performs and then start adding those higher cost keywords afterwards. Right. So we've talked about, you know, kind of determining uh, where you should, you know, start with your marketing and what kind of keywords you should go for. Now, what about some tips for actually composing that ad and making sure that it is, you know, something that pops up when a search is being done? Uh, so the biggest uh, factor that really needs to be looked at is something called quality score. So it's a, a score from one to 10, uh, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. Um, and six is our 
bare minimum goal, basically, more often than not. Sometimes we have to go a little bit lower. Um, and that's just simply based off of like website, um, lack of resources for website changes and stuff like that. Uh, but our aim is usually to sit at six. So uh, the reason we want to sit at six is that Google actually rewards you, but also penalizes you with this quality score. So six is like basically the neutral zone. Uh, you'll get charged exactly how much you're supposed to be charged for that click. So if it's a dollar, you're paying a dollar. But if you start moving towards the one, they actually start tacking on like a tax. Um, and I think it goes as high as about 50% or something like that. So at one point or another, instead of paying for that dollar, you're paying a, a buck 50. But on the opposite end, for the reward side of things, Google actually starts giving you a discount. So if you were to get 10, you'd actually end up spending 50 cents instead of that buck. So we want to continue moving towards that 10, but that bare minimum is a six uh, internally for us at the very least. We try our hardest to get to a six. So if we have a six, that means, or if we have a good score, I should say, uh, that means that the keyword that we've chosen is relevant to the ad that we've created, which is relevant to the landing page. So all three of those pieces really need to move together. Um, and I think a lot, a lot of people go, okay, well, if somebody searches for, um, let's do Hondas. Yeah, let's do a Honda. So they searched for a Honda. My ad says Honda, but they end up on a Porsche website. That's not going to be a good experience. That's co two completely different def demographics. Uh, Google will spot that. And really, at the end of the day, they care about the user more they can, than they care about the advertiser. We have to remember that because like, everybody assumes that because we're the ones paying them that they care about us. They do not. They, they care about the end user at the end of the day. So they want to make sure that that process or that entire journey for them is very, very seamless. Uh, so we have to also keep that in mind as well when we're looking at landing pages. We don't want to drop them on a homepage unless we have literally only that as the option. We want to make sure that they're highly targeted um, and then go through that whole, whole journey. So we want to make sure, especially for realtors, um, I like putting in um, like geographically where we are because that speaks to that person a little bit more. They go, okay, if I'm in... Edmonton and my realtor is in Edmonton, then like this, this is the right person that I, I'm looking for. Um, and then also, if you know any, I mean, each city has their own little version of their own slang and stuff like that. Adding that in uh, and your own jargon uh, is really great because then at least you're speaking to that person who's really looking for you. So yeah. And then also highlighting awards and stuff like that. It's a really great thing for, especially in real estate that we've seen quite a bit of success for. But if you don't have your keyword your ad copy, your landing page, all cohesively like working together, then your campaign is basically shot. So even if you're writing these great, amazing uh, ads that say, hey, we won this award, we're <laughs> in Calgary, we're, we serve 25 cities or something like that, it, nobody's going to care if that that entire process isn't um, down packed. Right. So uh, for real estate agents and specifically for that, would you suggest, you know, like say, in my area, I'm in the Jacksonville, Florida area, but really a little bit south of there. And there are several little neighborhoods that are, you know, somewhat larger and pretty well known in this area. So, would you suggest having like a landing page specifically for my listings in that neighborhood, and then having my ads and everything saying to, you know, the Atlantic Beach, uh, you know, homes in Atlantic Beach, type, stuff like that, if I'm looking for buyer clients. Yeah, honestly, I really like that tactic. Um, it's something that we use with a lot of our home developer clients. They they have like little um, their own little development communities. 
So then we'll do everything in, in accordance to that in terms of the landing pages. Because sometimes people want a very specific area and they're going to search that way. And really at this point, um, the last thing a user really wants to do is spend time filtering through. Um, so even if you don't have like a specific landing page, you can also just re like pre-filter everything. So that way they just show up and that is just Atlantic Beach or, or, or Florida or wherever, right? Uh, or Florida is the actual whole entire state. Of oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Canadian. My geography is off. Um, right. But um, so then you can do it that way, which has worked really well. But having uh, targeted pages is really great for that that process, especially if we want to get to a 10 score. Having those individual pages is going to help quite a bit. Right. Awesome. So I think those are all great tips. And I, I, I think, you know, specifically for the real estate agent, yeah, it's super easy to create those little, you know, those individual pages on your website that have the individual neighborhoods with some, you know, some information about the neighborhoods and everything. Um so we've talked about, you know, uh, kind of determining what keywords to and what ads to kind of start creating. We've talked about, you know, creating and getting that quality score up. Now let's talk about uh, once your ad is launched and, you know, everybody's excited. My ad's launched. I should be, that phone should be ringing off the hook now, but it takes a little bit of time sometimes, right? Yeah. So we also, we have to consider that there are competitors in the space, right? They also might have started their campaign. They might be uh, in their campaign for a really long time. So you have to also remember that like, just because you turned on the lights doesn't mean that everybody else hasn't had them turned on the entire time. Um, so sometimes there might be a little bit of a delay. Uh, and it also takes time for Google to figure out what you're doing, but also if you're uh, running them yourself or you have an analyst doing them, it takes a little bit of time to just collect data to sit there and be like, what's working, what's not. So a lot, a lot of times people will be like, well, 10 people saw my ad. Why did no one click? Well. 10 people is not a good data set. Um, it might be in some cases for some other industries, but for us, it's, it really simply isn't. Um, so I like to tell everybody to wait until you get about 200 impressions before you start like going kind of off the rails a little bit. And it might just be a case of uh, maybe your ad copy isn't as strong as it needs to be. Uh, and usually that's kind of really the biggest case, especially if people aren't clicking. Uh, and then when it comes down to the actual conversion side of things, if you're looking at it and going, okay, yes, my impressions are great and my clicks are great, but why are, is nobody converting? Then it might be a website issue. And that's a really great way to figure out uh, what's going on. So sometimes uh, we've had like one client who literally, this was like maybe about six years ago, uh, where he, he came to me and he was like, nobody's filling out this form. It's ridiculous. We get like hundreds of thousands of people and we get like a handful of form completions. I don't understand why I want to run ads so that way we can improve our conversion rates. And I remember going onto the website and I was like, no, we're not going to run ads. Like that's just a waste of money at this point. And he looked at me shocked and he was just like, why? It literally had 30 fields in it. And I was like, who in their right mind would sit down and fill in 30 fields? And he kind of just sat there, looked at me and I'm like, I don't even want to do it as a test. Like put in fake information. Like that's just way too much. I'm like, at most, I'm like, we want to see maybe three. You can turn it into a multi-page thing where it's like three questions for like maybe three pages. But I'm like, at that point, I'm like, nobody else, nobody's going to go through. And you're going to notice a lot of drop even in the next pages. So for me, my suggestion was get the crucial information. What is their name? What's their email? And what's their phone number? Call it quits after that point, right? And especially now when everything can autofill on our phones, 
that's all the information you really need to track that person down and fund them. You don't need any more information, maybe if they're buying and selling, but or or selling, I should say. Um, but aside from that, you don't actually need that much more information. So really look at your website. Is it simplified? Could a five-year-old go through it and actually figure out what you want them to do? If it, the answer is no, then you really need to go back to your website and really um, take a look at it, but also make those improvements. And if it's a yes, then um, I would really look at the quality of that user. Look at the keywords that are driving those people in. Um, and then this might get a bit too technical, but there's something called a search terms report as well. So when we go through that, that, that actually tells us what terms we actually showed up for. Um, so we might have, uh, let's say, buy home in Atlantic Beach, was it? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Atlanta Beach or Atlantic Beach? Yes. Atlantic Beach. Uh, Atlantic Beach. Okay. So it could be uh, buy home in Atlantic Beach. Uh, but we might actually show up for houses for sale at Atlantic Beach or something like that. Like something that's similar. Um, that's not the greatest example, but it's something that's similar. Uh, and we might not have any idea and it might be completely irrelevant. And that's driving all this traffic. Um, so a lot of times people look at their own actual keywords and look at data, but they don't actually look at what actually is really happening. And that's because Google is very good at like hiding information, especially to, to newbies. Um, so if you, yeah, you really need to make sure you understand the ins and outs of Google ads to be able to really run it. Cause there's a lot of hidden, hidden things uh, <laughs> that can make a complete, uh, disaster or success of a campaign. Um, and the search terms report is one of them. So taking a look at that and being like, okay, is, are there relevant terms or irrelevant terms in here? And if they are, then we want to tell Google that we don't want to show up for them. And that's called a negative keyword. And then we basically just keep on creating that list. So that's part of the ongoing optimization is putting in negative keywords, but also finding new ones that might actually, um, bring in people. But what my biggest aim is to get as many conversions as we possibly can for the least amount of money and negative keywords helps us uh, keep that cost down. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a great uh, uh, piece of advice there is to really kind of look at and see if there are some of those leads that are coming in that are really just not worth your time to go ahead and start filtering those out. Yeah, because a lot of people will look at the conversion numbers, especially depending on whether you're working on it yourself or you're working with an agency or a freelancer. Um, you'll really see people, if they're worth their salt, they'll ask you how the lead quality is. If they don't and sit there and, hey, I got you 100 leads, that's amazing. But if that didn't close, it doesn't matter. But like what the tactic tends to be is, I got you 100 leads, it's your fault and you're not closing them. Uh, and that's pretty easy. And I think that's why we get a bad rep in, in the industry because a lot of people will just sit there and be like, we shoved all this traffic your way, this is your fault now. Um, and that was one thing that like kind of led me to starting <laughs> Hopskin Media in the first place was, uh, I didn't like that. I was like, well, I want to work with clients to figure out if they're actually making money. Because at the end of the day, if they're not making money, then I eventually won't be making money. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> the logic of it made sense in my mind, right? So we try to go back to clients and be like, are your leads good? Are they not great? Let's try to figure out what's going on here. Because really, at the, the end of the day, you hired us to help you grow your business. And that's the what we want to, or that's the intention on our end as well. Uh, so really looking at that and trying to figure out what's filtering those people in. So if it's a higher volume keyword and you're getting all of this traffic and you're noticing, hey, these aren't these people are looking for two hundred thousand dollar houses and I only have half a million. Um, maybe it's time to turn that off, even though it looks great on paper and being like, yes, I got 100 leads. That could be 100 hours of wasted time for you if you're spending an hour on each of these people. So 
how much is the hour, a hundred hours, which is essentially like almost a month's worth of work worth to you. Uh, and hopefully it's a big fat zero. So you just, you know, <laughs> shove it away and go, let me focus on the two, three that are actually of high quality. Right. So, uh, before I, you know, we dive into Hopskit media and, you know, what you guys can provide for people that are looking to get some help with their pay-per-click ads. Uh, we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, you've brought up, um, a specific example of the, the form that was just like crazy long. What are some of those other things that people are doing that you just see and you're like, Oh my God, we got to stop this, you know, and, and rein this in. Uh, the biggest mistake that I see in accounts all the time is conversion tracking. They don't either. They're, they're not tracking them or they're, tracking the wrong metrics. Um, and this is like a really great way, especially if you're working with an agency or a freelancer yourself, how to keep them accountable is really ask them what they're tracking for that conversion. Uh, sometimes people will do page views. Uh, so simply somebody looking at a page is a conversion. And that's often when you see those really inflated numbers of like hundreds, if not thousands of conversions. And I sit there and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. That's like, um, a, a retail store owner being super happy that somebody came into the store and then walked right out. Like the, <laughs> the logic of it doesn't follow. I want them to come in, take a look, buy something, and then leave. Um, and the tracking page views is basically the equivalent of that. So um, making sure that the goals that you are tracking are relevant to your business and are things that will make money for your business is a big one. If you want to track page views in Google Analytics, knock yourself out. It like Google Analytics already does it for you, but if you need to track a certain page by goal, you're more than welcome to. I just would not import that data into Google Ads. Um, I would only import the data that makes sense for the business in terms of what's going to move the needle. And then if you're not tracking it, then it's implementing that. Just because really at this point, if you're running a Google Ads campaign and you're going, hey, I want to get leads but I also don't know what's getting me leave. You're likely spending a lot of money for no reason. It's going to be a lot of wasted spend. And then that's where a lot of times people come back and be like, ads didn't work for me. Well, I mean, yeah, of course they weren't going to work for you because we don't know what was working in the first place. Somebody was just like really kind of shooting in the dark and went, maybe this will work. Maybe this won't. Um, so oftentimes we've had a couple instances with clients where they're like, well, why is there no conversions? I'm like, because the tracking is not set up. You didn't set it up. How I there's only so much I can do, really, and, and especially on the optimization side, there's only so much we can do. Uh, so we'll improve the ad copy if we can see if that makes sense. But then at the same time, it's always that question of like, is this actually moving the needle for you? Um, so the, I would say that is probably the biggest thing that makes me want to pull my hair out. Really, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, before we wrap up, tell me a little bit more about Hopskit Media and, and what you uh, what you guys can do for uh, clients out there. Yeah, so we're an online marketing agency specializing in pay-per-click. Uh, we do Google ads, Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, we've got quite a bit of experience actually in home development. That's actually uh, where my start in agency or for my own agency kind of started. It was um, I left an agency job and then my cubby partner... Uh, went off to a home developer and six months later called me and went, yeah, I'm ready to trash this team, come over. Um, and that was kind of the end of the story. I took over two small accounts and then within six months had taken uh, over their entire marketing budget. Um, and uh, like it was actually pretty phenomenal. We actually ended up 
uh, decreasing cost per acquisition by 75% without reducing or increasing spend, uh, and also increased cost per, or not cost per, sorry, conversions by 50%. So we saw 75% go down, 50% of the leads went up, no additional budget. Um, and they were in seven or eight countries, or not countries, sorry, seven or eight cities across Canada. Uh, so it was a pretty big account for me at that point as a freelancer. Where I was like, this is really cool. And then eventually everything kind of just started snowballing. Um, so yeah, so we've got, we've done quite a bit of work with home developers, uh, a few realtors and mortgage brokers as well. Uh, and we literally just kind of look at their accounts. Uh, and now because we have like the extra data from everybody else, we're able to kind of sit there and be like, let's take inspiration from this account. And let's take inspiration from this account. This worked here, this worked here. Let's put it all together and see what happens. And that's been doing really, really well for us. So um, the experience thankfully has, has paid off for me now. Um, and yeah, we basically have worked with, with people just to increase their leads, but then also phone calls and then seeing if, um, a little bit of financing. Some of the, the home developers have their own internal financing. So we've been working on them with them on that as well. And that's been, um, really kind of cool actually, because, uh, home developers don't do financing here. I don't know if that's a thing in the States. So it coming here is like really kind of new and exciting where I'm like, okay, this is, uh, this is interesting. We'll figure out how to navigate <laughs> through this now. <laughs> right. And I just, one last thing I did want to ask you and, uh, just, you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, um, the, uh, the technology and the, the, uh, advancements and just how fast everything changes, mm -hmm. how important that is to have somebody like yourself and your team there to be able to relay that information to your clients? Yeah, I like to um, use the example of you, like a realtor wouldn't get their accountant to sell a house. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same notion here. You're really good at what you do. Uh, and I'm a firm believer in being great at one thing and only one thing. Um, and that's just how I've always been, honestly. Like, I don't know where I picked it up from. I just, I love the idea of just being known for one thing and being really, really good at it. Uh, so that really kind of falls. So working for an agency or being an agency really falls under that where I'm like, we do one thing, we do one thing only. But uh, you can trust that we know what's happening as everything does happen. Um, you can trust that we're looking at the accounts and we have our own SOP set up to make sure that nothing falls through the cracks. Uh, and you can also make sure that we're actually, there's somebody working on the account. Because a lot of times what a, a couple people will do is they'll create an account and then they'll just kind of set it and forget it. And that's fantastic and great, but that's also another great way for you to lose a lot of money for no reason. But then also Google looks at it and goes, this is an inactive account. We don't want to push people to this uh, ad. Uh, so we actually recently took over a client account and he didn't have anybody working on it since June. And we took over in November and you can see this sharp decline of just metrics in September because Google sat there and was like, nobody's making changes in this account. It's inactive. Um, so that's something else to look for, especially if you're running your own account. Make sure you're going in about once a week. Just make a random change. Even if it's like a budget change to go $10 to $10.50, just a quick little change will give Google that idea that you actually care about the account and you're actually working on it. Um, but setting and forgetting it, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest because, again, wasted ad spend. And that's kind of, um, it hurts my heart because we work so hard for everything that we do. Like, we work so hard for the money that we're making. Let's try to utilize it the best that we can. And actually, you know, if we're utilizing it to make more money, let's actually do that versus spending it and just sitting there going, oh, whoops, uh, this was, this is no good now, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I mean, in just this half hour, there's so much, you know, I, I feel like useful information 
uh, you know, just jam packed in there for our uh, listeners. So I do really appreciate you taking the time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really want to thank Amit for joining us today and sharing all of those great tips for launching and optimizing a successful pay-per-click campaign. And remember, if you're interested in learning more, I've included several links in the episode description. So once again, if you think you or someone else on your team has an incredible story or real estate tips to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. Well, that wraps things up for this episode. But remember, follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Again, I'm Michael Walter, and we'll see you on the next episode.